0: You're listening to the Uncensored Direct Marketing Show. This show is designed for direct response marketers who want raw, unfiltered conversion tips and secrets to scale their offers profitably to reach their next million. I'm Maria Sparagas. I'm the founder of Direct Paynet and your host. Now let's dive in. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. I have here David, who uh, is a very exhilarating personality, and we've had a couple of discussions about his incredible path into direct response. So I invited David to my show because I think David has a wealth of experience, whether it be failure or success, which is a very uh, interesting thing that we're going to be speaking about. David, if you can get, give us a couple of words about yourself and what you're doing right now.
1: Sure. So yeah, I do have a bit of an interesting past uh, in direct response and taken, you know, we might say it's the road less traveled or kind of an off journey, but I think a lot of you have had similar journeys to me and I'm not too alone in this. Um, And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but right now I am uh, heading up direct response marketing for DigiStore24. I do all the performance marketing for them. And I also head up their education for DigiStore Academy. I created that to help people learn how to make money from scratch as a, a brand new person who's never heard of direct response marketing before help them build something from scratch. So that's a little bit about what I'm doing right now.
0: Great. Well, so obviously, David has a wealth of experience and you've been through, I guess so many different paths to get to where you are right now with Digistore. So I'm sure everybody's heard of Digistore. Anybody who's anybody in direct response obviously knows what Digistore is and what they have to offer, but essentially it's a marketplace with different uh, types of products. And anybody, I would assume anybody from a beginner level to a high-end marketer could find some value uh, in Digistore. So just given your your new offer is is kind of set for beginners, what do you think is the top three strategies you know, for somebody kind of starting out, trying to get to their first 10, 20k, uh, what would you give them as the first three tips to look at in their funnel, in their in their whole process?
1: Yeah, um, that's a great question. I just had a call yesterday with a lot of my students and that was a big question. It's like, I wanna promote X. And there's a big offer out right now that's making a crazy amount of money. Metacore, tons of affiliates are driving a crazy amount of traffic to it. And these new guys are like, I've heard of this. I wanna get in on this, You know, making a million dollars with this. How do I do that? And I went through a very simple process of, well, first you need to provide value and then you need to capture contact details, and they need to follow through with the value. So I know that sounds super basic and uh, very foundational, but you'd be surprised how many marketers miss this. And they get so greedy. And we've probably all seen these offers where it's like a Facebook ad and it direct links to an offer. And you could tell it's an affiliate ad, but they direct link out to... Whatever custom link they have with the offer, and they're just sending people straight to VSL um, pages. And you're like, wait, what are you doing? Like, why are you skipping all these steps? Like, are you just wanting to like quick turn and burn? And, and maybe that is the case. So, my biggest piece of advice is build something for the long term. Okay. Take a little bit more effort. Build out, maybe it's like a quiz funnel. Those are amazing. Those are super fun to do. You can come up with the most ridiculous questions when you're talking about like metabolism or health or whatever the niche is, like MetaCore is about health. Build out a simple quiz funnel, capture their contact details, create curiosity, follow through and follow up with that person through email right? It's not hard at all. You can get almost all of this stuff for free. If you're brand new, um, you can go try any quiz builder for free. You can almost try like MailChimp or GetResponse. You can probably do free trials with those guys and then link over to an offer. So you can almost get started with nothing other than putting a few emails together, writing out a simple quiz funnel and sending people over to an affiliate offer. Cause I, I have news for you. These affiliate offers, these, these products that are out there, they're not always going to be around forever. There's always going to be something new. And if you start to niche yourself down and like, hey, I really love the health industry, you know, do some soul searching, figure out what do you really like to promote? What do you like to talk about? Because your copy is going to flow through you more naturally when you're talking about something that you enjoy. So pick a niche that you really like and that you enjoy and you have fun with and create some good copy around that, create some value around that, capture that list and then promote an offer. And right now, Metacore is a, a super popular offer in digi store, but tomorrow it might be something different. But if you still have that email list that's focused on health, you can then promote that other offer. Does that make sense? So you're not yeah, just building for, sure. for today, you're building for the future. So I guess that's my, it's more of a mindset shift with a few practical things in there and tactical items start okay. to think for the long haul.
0: So if I'm starting out in the health space, you know, that's, that's obviously the hottest space where people feel, I guess, a little bit more comfortable. Would you suggest, if you're trying to just find one lane, are you doing email? Are you doing Facebook ads? Are you doing YouTube? How should somebody position themselves? Should they do a little bit of everything if they have a limited budget and they just want to crack their first 10K? Like where, I feel like there's a lot of marketers that are kind of trying this multi-pronged approach and just missing the mark on everything. Do you suggest maybe saying, you know, become a YouTuber or become an email copywriter? Where where can somebody... find the best niche for them?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So the, I I see email as like your hub for everything. So email is your asset. You want to build up that asset because come hell or high water, you'll be able to keep that asset list and you'll be able to retain those contacts. Right. And if you're smart, you're downloading your email subscriber list and storing it somewhere safe. Um, because you never know if an ESP is going to go down. It's an email service provider, or maybe you can't pay your bill on that thing, but you always retain that asset, right? That's that's super important. And those other platforms are feeders into that to build that asset for you. Okay. So don't build your entire business and like, I'm just Facebook. Everything's in a Facebook group. And this is my whole focus because what happens if Facebook goes away? And we're starting to see that market. I mean, some people are arguing like, is it saturated or not? it might be getting a little bit saturated. And no, I'm not saying Facebook's going away tomorrow, but just start thinking in terms of those things. Be a paranoid marketer. Like, what if that one channel goes away? Is my business gone? You definitely want to diversify your channels. But if you're brand new, like you just asked, start wherever you feel most comfortable. I mean, I wouldn't try to go out and learn three different platforms. I wouldn't try to learn Google, YouTube, and Facebook at the same time. I'd pick one because chances are, if you find winning copy on one of those channels, you'll be able to apply it to another channel. So okay. just focus on one to start and don't have a huge budget with it. Maybe like five to 10 bucks a day or 15 bucks a day at the most and just start small and then grow yourself in there.
0: So would you say to convert, like based from one of those channels, your goal for conversion would be just to grab that email address, not necessarily to sell a product because the gold is in creating a list who you can then take and pop into, you know, a different software or whatever, and then start uh, an email sequence. Is that... Basically what you're saying is focus your your energy on your email list, get the emails, and then you can sell them a whole bunch of stuff basically.
1: Yep, yep. It's super okay. old school, but it's just tried and true and it's a really safe way to do it.
0: Well, that's, that's very interesting. And definitely the asset of having an email address is, is a little bit underrated, but I do feel like primarily this year, I would say maybe because I'm in a lot of different copy groups and different, you know, Facebook pages and so forth. I feel like email is just like making a comeback. Like, I don't know why I just feel like it went away for a while. And then all of a sudden I'm just hearing a whole bunch of people email, email, email. So based on that, I mean, just, you know, this is very anecdotal obviously, but I do feel that there's a little bit of, of a push, towards email because i guess there's less compliance there's less things that you know you need to to look after like you have to for facebook there's like an insane amount of compliance things that you have to be aware of and not to be shut down are there any strategies or any tips that you can offer to make sure that people can hit that inbox and not have spam issues and or you know promo tag or or anything like that
1: yeah i mean the the most basic recommendation I can give there is to build relationship, build value with them, make them want to open your email. And a lot of that starts with your subject line or it's kind of like the headline on your sales page. That subject line's important. We have a copywriter on staff and he's been writing some subject lines for us and I split tested them against some of the ones that I wrote and his were pretty like clickbaity, and not super value driven or super personalized. It was just kind of like alert or heads up, dot, dot, dot. I'm like, come on, man, put some effort into this thing. And the open rates were not very good. And I think as affiliates, you kind of you can get into this like hustle mindset of like, I just need to get something out there, I don't care. I just wanna get into the inbox. And that's all that matters is to get this email out the door. Well, it actually does matter to take a couple of steps back, go through your own inbox and figure out what emails did I open? What headlines or what subject lines did I click on? Mm-hmm. And do a little bit of market research on yourself and then pull some ideas from that. I mean, the best copy ideas I get, are usually from going over to like weather.com or msn.com and just looking through the different display ads that are on there uh, and native ads. I mean, there's some incredible copy in there that is all about like hooking somebody in. So I think it starts there. It starts with that hook to get them inbox. Obviously don't make wild claims in your subject line. Don't say, you know, make $15,000 tomorrow or lose 15 pounds in 10 minutes. Like that kind of stuff is <laughs> It's, I mean, that's just like classic. So 2008. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's so 2008. It worked back then.
0: <laughs> things progress. And I mean, you know, your average consumer is kind of got tired of seeing all these outlandish claims and they're starting to be a little bit smarter and, and kind of questioning things a little bit more. So I think you'll you know, in general, longevity wise for your business, you'll definitely benefit from using good strategies and selling correctly. I think there's, you know, the old black hat techniques that we used 10 years ago, even five years ago, I would say, like, I'm starting to see a lot less of that on my end. Um, you know, we work with a lot of merchants at Direct DirectPayNet that do, you know, different offers and, and you know, especially in the the health and the nutraceutical space. I feel like in the last year or so, I'm just not seeing very many applications for that free trial, aggressive, kind of like, you know, uh, negative option type stuff. People are starting to be a little bit smarter. Marketers are trying to really provide value, like you said, to the consumer and then hook them in and, and be able to sell them more. So kind of moving on from that, and obviously, you know what my next question is going to be is, you know, obviously you have a very fascinating story in terms of how you got started in this space and what you did and how you learned everything, you know, about running merchant accounts and legal issues, FTC issues, free trial offers. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey, basically, how you you got started in this space and and a little bit about your your Nutra offers?
1: Yeah. So it didn't start at the neutral offers. It actually started, I was helping with info marketing and, uh, you know, creative business online type marketing and how to make money. That was in 2012. I went to work for a super affiliate who was doing a book launch at the time. I helped run his uh, affiliate management, write a lot of email copy for him. I learned the info product marketing at that time and how to do like Jeff Walker style launches and do things really out like a white hat way communicate through videos and just build value uh, to a huge list. I moved on from that opportunity um, out on my own. I was kind of brokering traffic when somebody hit me up who owned the software I was using and said, you know, if you really want to make money in this industry, like everything good starts with that kind of conversation, right? If you really (laughs) want to make money, you need to have your own product and you should try uh, basically negative option uh, trial offers. And I was like, man, I mean, I've seen this stuff out there before, but I never thought it was that I thought it was kind of black hat. And he's like, no, 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 you can do it right. Like there's a way to do this and talked me into it a little bit. But I really wanted to prove myself to my former employer. Like I can do this and I can be way more successful than you. So there's a little bit of a an ego drive into that, you know, my motivation. But so I got started with this with no money, like a total imbecile, but just pure drive of I have to figure this thing out. It's a big puzzle for me. Getting the pages up was easy. Getting hosting, coming up with a brand name. I, the brand name, I, you could probably still find it, actually. It, it was BioFit. I love that side of things. I love the branding and creating all that. And then it was merchant accounts. He's like, the hardest part of your business, this guy who was kind of mentoring me, said, the hardest part of your business is going to be finding merchant accounts. Um, I'll hook you up with all the contacts for everything else, for fulfillment, for software, like all that stuff. That's easy, but find yourself payment processing. And when he said you need more than $50,000 a month from one mid, I was like, first of all, what's a mid and why would I ever want more than $50,000 a month? Like that's so much money. I can, I come, I grew up next to a trailer. Okay. Like I, I don't come from money. So I was like, dude, I, all I need is 50,000 a month. That's totally cool. That's way more than enough. He's like, no, no, you're going to need at least like three, 400,000 a month in processing. So I just started getting contacts with affiliate networks. I started negotiating with them. I learned how to negotiate real fast with no collateral down, nothing. Just get me some traffic, get me 30 sales a day. And I had six different networks sending me traffic, just a little bit of traffic here and there. And I got all my mids. Um, I started out with I think six different mids at about fifty k a piece, and I was like, okay, this is enough to get going. And I got really good at finding signers, creating bank accounts, just figuring all of this stuff out. I have no idea how much perjury that I have out there from from doing that process and getting signers, but uh, it was ugly. I will just say that I started to get down this path of like. I'm you know, altering PDFs and I'm doing all these things to try to get myself signers because that's what's important. But I was violating my own conscience all along the way, which just ended up biting me in the ass later on. But within three weeks, I got on the match list personally. And then within about three months, I had one affiliate network spiked my traffic over the weekend. I only wanted 100 sales a day and he sent me 3000 sales over a 24 hour period. Completely spiked, maxed out all my mids. All my money was frozen from that weekend. It was just like red alert, like we're going down, mayday. I'm calling all my friends like, hey, can you lend me a hundred grand? Like I've got 125 grand or 150 grand sitting in frozen merchant accounts. I can't access it, but I need to keep my, like, you got to keep fresh blood going through your trials or else all the rest of your mids are are going to go down. You can't load balance if you don't have anything. So I was in the middle of that. It was the most stressful time when when I think of it in terms of internet marketing, like the, the direct response side, I never even thought about direct response marketing. The pages were solid, the copy was solid, the upsells. I was getting sometimes like 70% conversion rate on my upsell take rate. Wow. Um, it was ridiculous, right? We so we need the
0: copy to that, 70% take <laughs> rate. Yeah, you just
1: <laughs> yeah, you just have to offer everything's a free trial, no risk, blah, blah, blah. Like you, you just have to lie to them if you want that kind of conversion rate, which I don't recommend doing. So I I got completely underwater there the pressure like the weight of the world was on my shoulders literally every day because I was my I was my partner like I didn't have anybody it was me working alone and my in-laws like upper suite in their house my wife and kids are at home and I am like feeling this gravity just sucking me down to the ground of like I owe networks money I don't know if any of you have ever owed networks money but it ain't fun like it ain't fun at all the type of threats that you you. get oh
0: people are chasing you
1: like a dog on a bone, they're coming after you. I've never been in the scenario before. So I'm like, first of all, I hate owing somebody five bucks, let alone 50 grand. <laughs> That's totally different. So dealing with that was really, really hard. I definitely understood substance abuse at that time. I felt myself desiring that drink at the end of the day a little bit more than usual. Um, I understood why entrepreneurs commit suicide. Like, because if you don't have anybody to talk about this stuff with, and nobody who really understands what you're going through, you just feel so alone. Not to mention the failure, like you just feel like I totally failed. Like I effed this whole thing up so badly. How can I even show my face anymore to my family, to my friends, like, I don't know about you guys, I'm the all in type of guy. Like if I do something, it's everything. I'm all in on this thing. And if I'm all in and I crash face first in the ground, it's not very fun to admit that. So that's kind of like the beginning and middle of this thing. And eventually within like five months after that, I limped the thing along on my own credit cards. I maxed everything out personally, got in over like 250 grand in debt to keep the thing going and ended up losing all of my mids four months later with a MasterCard change. Uh, They changed something.
0: Credit card regulations are always, you know, I would say 12 to 18 months. We see a lot of different regulations come up to kind of curb Behavior that shouldn't be, you know, but it does take 12 to 18 months. So you get somebody who starts a new idea, 12 to 18 months later, the regulation kicks in and that's when they get burned. So you're saying from the start to the end of that, was that like nine months or how long would you say, like the first day you started selling versus when everything kind of came crashing down?
1: Yeah, it was about 10 months. So I had processed over 2 million in 10 months through those different trials. And it started out with diet uh, and then it went on to skincare. Uh, which I thought would be more secure, a little older demographic, more female. I don't know. I don't think it was more secure. I think it was just (laughs) equally as shady and risky. And when greed's your main motivation, and I'm not saying everybody is this way, but when greed's your main motivation, you just put blinders on to ethics a lot of the time. And it ends up burning you. So I ended up with half a million dollars in debt and two lawsuits and having to file bankruptcy to start fresh.
0: And you know, it's it's funny that you say, you know, you feel alone and and you know, you you didn't have really that support network. But the thing is, a lot of the marketers, you know, that that we work with at Direct PayNet and just in general that I that I talk to on a daily basis, especially if if you've been in the game for over 10 years, odds are at some point within the first five years of your career, you did something black hat like that. And most of them have kind of come out on the other side and, you know, legitimized and kind of learned the game and and do things correctly. But it's funny how everybody kind of feels alone in that instance, but there's so many people that have told me very, you know, different iterations of the same story. We hear less of it now because now you're a super successful guy. You have your own course, you're doing well, everything's good. So, people only hear that end part, you know, but they don't really see what kind of all the other stuff and the bankruptcies and the, the the chaos that ensued in order to get there. But at the end of the day, you know, you did what you did and you, you legitimized, and now you're, you're in a better place. So I guess it was a, a necessary part of the, the, the process for you, you know, and, and On the other side is that you now recognize what could be, you know, a good thing or a bad thing in an offer uh, on a compliance standpoint. You're probably a compliance expert now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I definitely know what not to do. (laughs) Yeah,
0: for sure. So kind of just digging in onto the mid game and we call mid, you know, merchant accounts for anybody who doesn't know that word. But I think everybody who's in in DR kind of knows what a mid is. And if not, then you haven't been around long enough, I guess. (laughs) You know, having the mids and so forth, were you getting... Merchant accounts kind of every 30 days. How, how did you, what was your process of kind of like ensuring that you were able to run for that nine months? You know, I mean, it, it sounds like a short amount of time, but in the mid game, that's a lot of mids, that's a lot of time. So uh, were you kind of just processing applications and looking at numbers kind of daily? Is Was that the process or did you have somebody taking care of that?
1: You know, I tried to have somebody take care of it, but at the end of the day, I just couldn't trust them. So I uh, I wanted to have all the control. And like, I wanted to be able to go to the bank and transfer money or do whatever I needed to do to keep the stuff going and take deposits. So my full-time job was managing mids and getting new mids. That was it. That was my sales role as business development was going and finding people, signing people up um, that I knew to this amazing program where I could pay them. Like, I think I paid them 1%, maybe I, I think it was 1% up to thousand dollars a month is what my contract goes with these people.
0: So like a licensing would, kind of agreement, like they would kind of like resell for you type of thing. Pretty much.
1: Yeah. That's the legalese of it was yeah, they're their own contractor or something like that. But yeah, it was whatever it was. It was actually a, a fairly legit legal document that they were signing, but I knew what was going on. Right. It was getting mids to process my stuff. And I think it had to be every three weeks or so I would add new mids. I ended up with 35 mids at the end of it.
0: That's a full time job for sure.
1: Yeah, it, it was definitely full time. And then after I was out and I was like, I'm freaking done. Like I'm not doing this anymore. I had so many contacts hit me up. Hey, can you get me some signers? Like, I know you got a whole group of these things. I'm like, no, I'm like, please, not with a ten foot pole. Like, yeah, I'm done with yeah. this game.
0: I mean, at the end of it, you know, uh, and you can attest to this, I feel like, you know, when we get you know, merchants who come to us and apply for these types of business models, you know, in my mind, I'm like, you know, all the time you're going to spend in just managing these merchant accounts, if you're getting a lot of chargebacks, a lot of refunds, the fees that kind of accumulate there with your reserves, the time wasted, the drain of resources, if you just take that time and you invest it in creating a proper offer with a prop- on a proper funnel, you're probably going to make just as much money and you're not going to have to go to sleep kind of worrying about, you know, somebody like from the FTC knocking on your door, you know? So I feel like that whole kind of, uh, trend, I guess that I can call it. Cause it was a trend. I feel I started direct painted in 2010 and, you know, our first clients were nutraceutical cause it was the hot space to be in. And I felt like every, every application we were getting was almost like a carbon copy of the other one it was just the same thing constantly everybody doing the same thing i feel like now people are starting to be more creative and focusing their energy on the creativity in your in your particular case in terms of the legal issues what what was the final explosion was it just like the, the owing the debt or did the ftc come knocking or any kind of government body that that kind of stopped all this
1: no, there's there was no FTC, thank God. I didn't get I think the guy who was mentoring me at the time said if you get over the two I think it was 100 million mark is where he got is when the FTC came after him, don't get up to that mark or maybe it was even 20 million. He said like keep yourself below a certain number and you should stay under the radar if possible. I actually was so driven not necessarily by the money of this thing, but by figuring it out. Like I just, I love a challenge and I just have to figure out how to make the thing work. And like you're saying, with the reserves taken out with chargeback fees, with refunds, with well, first and foremost, how much you pay affiliates to make these sales. It's absurd how thin the margins are with just the slightest mistake you're underwater. And when you're running like this thin and this fast and hard, like it's disastrous when you do make a mistake. But For me, I finally figured it out. I actually got a partner towards the end, right when I was losing everything. And it was an affiliate network that I owed money to. And he's like, actually, let me take over like, you have a really amazing asset here, like when built up, it's pretty awesome. Let me help you run this thing. And we'll split x, y, z, and I can get it to this number. And I've got the traffic, like, we'll do it legit. And I was like, Okay, that's, that's how they do it. Like a lot of these, and this is kind of a dirty little secret a lot of these guys who are on the, the vendor side, the product owner side, they will suppress the pixel so that they can, and I know you guys are going to want to shoot me for saying this, but they'll suppress the pixel. So the affiliates are only getting paid out maybe 40 to 50% of the time on the sales that they're making. And that's how they make this whole thing work is they double the amount of sales by only paying out half. So that's where they make up the margin. I was paying out hundred percent. I had no freaking clue. I didn't know, I didn't know you had to be shady. Hey, We should <laughs> have been affiliates for you. <laughs> I, I well, know I mean, they're like licking their chops and like, oh yeah, we're actually getting paid on every sale we're making. This is a novel concept.
0: <laughs> well, if everybody's cheating the system, then you know finding the right one is going to be tough. But I know you know in the adult space where you know I got my start, kind of on the merchant side. You know, one of the big things for us when we had started was uh, you know the promotion to affiliates saying no shaving. We're not shaving. We're not. We're not taking anything away. We're showing you, and we were pretty legitimate in terms of uh, you know paying out the affiliates. And one of the main reasons was. We were located in Canada, so Pornhub, browsers, and all the, um, you know, that whole umbrella of companies was located in Canada. We're charging U.S. customers, and back then, the exchange rate was, you know, 60 70%. So, we were making an extra 30 40% on our money. So, paying out the shit. affiliate, yeah, we didn't have to because we were making so much money off the exchange rate, paying Canadian dollars for our staff, paying Canadian dollars for our expenses. We are like, great, this is awesome. Then, as soon as the dollar started getting closer to par, oh, things kind of... <laughs> <laughs> it changes changes your your mindset but obviously you know on the affiliate side and you know talking about margins and so forth i completely agree with you sometimes i i wonder i'm like you know once you're paying your affiliate your traffic you know for any you know kind of native sources your chargebacks your and and then getting merchant accounts for these types of things you know you're paying 5 to 10%, whereas you could be paying, you know, interchange plus one or one and a half if you're running a regular kind of straight up uh, white hat offer. Uh, It makes little sense to me at this this point of the game to kind of be dabbling in that when there's so many other things that you can be doing to create value and to create a real business. But at the end of the day, there's always going to be the people who are trying to make a quick buck. And I know that you know being an entrepreneur myself. You're an entrepreneur. You know sometimes when you see the dollars rising, it just you get this like high from it. You're like, can I do you know this and next month this much and next month that much and you're 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 it, it, you just become like it's not even the money anymore. It's just seeing no. more of it. You know that you're like, wow, this is exciting. Yep. Let me make hundred thousand. Let me make two hundred thousand. And every time you reach it, it's just never enough. You're just like, well, what what do I do to get more? So I think yep. that's a, that's a little bit of an entrepreneurial. Disease, I guess I can call it. It's good and bad because that's what makes the world turn—is is people kind of having that drive. But at the same time, it can it can get really uh, hairy when you're when you're running these types of offers. So definitely, in terms of the affiliate side of things, what are you seeing now mostly? Like, do you do you still kind of keep it your ear to the ground with how affiliates are are promoting offers or what they're doing? Kind of trends. I guess I could ask you.
1: A lot of the affiliate networks that I worked with at the time went under they lost their businesses. So that should say something of the type of business that they were involved in at that time with fake celebrity endorsement and that that type of traffic, which is pretty black hat, um, which is black hat, not pretty black, it is black hat. The affiliates that I work with now, Digistore24 has a ton of affiliates that are pushing offers like this Metacore offer, which is a weight loss offer. And it's a straight sale weight loss offer. So the business model for metacore I think they're paying out 70% of the front end sale on a straight sell offer. Wow. <laughs> this is just uh, insane. So that's why they're getting, I think we're doing like 13 million a month right now with them. So it's a, it's a pretty big offer. The affiliates that are driving traffic are sending it to like a VSL, but they're, they're white hat affiliates. I think for the most part, the, based on the chargebacks and refund rates are really, really low. So that's all a good sign. I'm super wary of affiliates, to be honest. Like After all of this, I would much rather hire a media buyer, pay them a little bit more and pay them on success rather than paying an affiliate and just control all of the assets myself. Again, it comes back to that control freak side of things. So, and I think a lot of people are going that way too. Like we at Digistore, we just purchased Proud Mama's Kitchen, that's public now. They're a boutique agency. Uh, So we we bought them and took on all of their clients. And their biggest need was for media buyers, not necessarily for affiliates to push their offers. But I will say this, none of them had good offers. (laughs) None. Not one of them had a good offer. If you you don't have a good (laughs) offer, you can have
0: all the media buying and all the affiliates you want if your offer stinks like go back to the drawing board, right? So your offer has to be something that appeals. It always, the one thing that I that I learn often when I work with, you know, we work with some really high level marketers that are doing very good numbers. And it's like, you know, you go from your your front end product and then you go to an upsell. And a lot of times, you know, the upsell take rate, you know, merchants are like, oh, it's, you know, it's only 3% or 5%. I'm like, well, why don't you focus on that? You know, why don't you focus on, Yikes. you know, they have, you know, sometimes you, you get a merchant who's selling like weight loss pills and then, oh, their upsell is a fitness pro. I'm like, if the guy wants to take a pill to lose weight, he ain't doing no exercise. You know, let's, you know, switch that up because I'm, I'm the person that I am. Obviously I sell merchant accounts. That's my main business, but you know, I've been in the marketing game for so long. Sometimes I see these things and then it's like, really, like I'm trying to take a pill so I can lose 10 pounds. I'm not going to put on an exercise video. So, uh, you know, your offer is like, is key. You know, it's the, it's the most important thing, but kind of going back to the affiliate thing. Um, just to drive that point home is I know that obviously if you have limited money and you're kind of starting out or you're trying to test something, you're just trying to see if this is gonna work, affiliates are the way to go, right? Because there it's no upfront cost. If they sell, you get they get paid and 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 vice versa. So as a as a merchant or you know, somebody in the space like you that, that kind of sees affiliates, sees offers and so forth, if if you're a merchant what do you suggest a merchant does to kind of vet the affiliates or or what kind of things can they do to avoid, you know, somebody promising a free iPhone if they buy these pills kind of thing, or like, I guess your best couple of tips to, to, to vet affiliates.
1: Yeah. First of all, I'd whitelist your offer. Like with, with our network, we allow you to either make your offer, your product just open to all, or just only a few can have it. And it has to be by like referral only into these. So like for anybody looking as an affiliate for top offers, most top offers aren't even public, they are hidden. And you have to ask and get in touch with an affiliate manager in order to run that offer. And there's a reason why they're hidden because they don't want crap traffic, right? They care about keeping processing. They wanna keep their processing going. So number one, whitelist your affiliates. Make sure as a product owner, you have somebody interviewing them. Some of the best networks that I've ever worked with I had to get on Skype calls with them and I had to show them bank statements and deposits of, you know, from other affiliate networks that I actually know what I'm doing. And I've been in the game for a little bit. So set your standards high because affiliates are business partners for you. Okay. They're not slaves, they are business partners. And you want to make sure that they are representing your company well. So I would recommend, again, whitelisting them, you know, really control what kind of swipe goes out there to them. And you can't always guarantee like, that they're gonna be sending to the right pages, right? They can do what they want, but do as much as you can to keep in contact with them and have an affiliate manager who's touching base with these guys. If you see somebody spike traffic, shut them down. Hey, I've set my cap and the cap's at 50 a day and you went to 60 and now it's redirecting to a 404 error page. Just be like really hard line with this stuff because if you give a little bit, what happened to me may not happen to you where they send 3000 in a day, but just be on it and manage that thing. You can't just, let the thing go to seed because it will and and they will take advantage of you and i hate to be that pessimistic about it because i'm not a pessimistic guy but i've just seen it and i've experienced it so do everything you can to stay on it most businesses like if they're really growing for the long term they might use affiliates to start and to build up maybe like a pixeled audience and then they start running their own traffic and controlling it a little bit more and controlling costs a little bit more so that might be a strategy for you as you're getting going
0: yeah and the other thing with affiliates i mean not all affiliates are bad i don't want to you know there's some some really great affiliates that you know are looking to make a business out of it and make you know make their living but the number one thing i find that a lot of merchants don't really pay attention to is the the risk figures when i say the risk figures is the refunds and the chargebacks so i mean it's usually blatantly obvious if somebody's sending you like crap their refunds are going to be high or their chargebacks are going to be high. And one specific thing I found, uh, I used to be the affiliate manager, you know, for browsers and Pornhub for a little while. And uh, the low end affiliates, the ones that are sending you like 10, 20 sales a month, like really, like really small stuff. They're just a lot of times trying to make a couple of bucks to kind of get them through the month. And they're sending you all kinds of Crap. So it's not just looking at your top performers because your top performers are trying to promote you. They're trying to to make their money. They're running maybe a business for this. You also have to look at the bottom ones because you know getting to fifty chargebacks is very simple if you have five crappy affiliates that are sending you 20 sales, which 10 are charging back. There you go. You're at your 50 chargebacks and you're already in trouble. So looking at those low, low end guys that are sending you very little traffic is almost as important. I used to actually, like my strategy was 20% of the top performers, 20% of the bottom performers, and i i would find that a lot of times the bottom performers were causing me the most chargebacks and i was like this is insane this guy's sending 20 sales and 10 of them are charging back you know yep. just knowing your numbers i guess as a merchant is is so important making sure that you know uh, you know what's happening at a certain point penalize the the affiliates if they're sa- starting to send you 20 sales and 10 of them are chargebacks we'll claw them back we'll see how quickly that's going to that's going to last if they if they continue you know but we're not shitting on affiliates here we're saying you know that there's a proper way of managing that that channel and there's a there's an improper way so um, you know, obviously, we've both kind of seen the worst of the worst, and <laughs> and uh-huh. you know, heeding some some warnings to to some people that are you know because it's such an easy business model, you're like, oh, I'll put up an offer, I'll go to this you know network, they're going to send me a whole bunch of affiliates, I'm going to make a ton of money, and whatever. It's it's not that easy. If it was, then we'd all be walking around millionaires and and not worrying about that. So definitely but, a lot I'll- of lessons to learn.
1: On the other side of things too, like I've seen some of the best affiliates in the world and they are like greatly sought after. And offer owners will roll out the red carpet for you and build out custom BSL specifically for your audiences. And like I'm I'm watching that happen right now over at Digistore. There's we have some affiliates that are just they're insane. Like they have amazing, they're squeaky clean affiliates. And these people are like, can I create a product specifically for your affiliate list? And they're like, absolutely. Yeah, let's do it. And they're they're partnering and and making a killing in terms of the percentage of what they're sharing in sales. So there is a reward for you on the affiliate side, if you're clean and you do it right and you're in this for the long game, but you know, for offer owners who they're really, really concerned about shady affiliates, make them prepay as a network. If you make your, your offers prepay for the traffic so that you're protected as well, because affiliates like bad affiliates, like we've been talking about, they can take down your entire business overnight.
0: Oh, and yeah. you get one yeah. bad affiliate for one week and you have a neutral offer and you're done. That's it. Yep. You're done. So it's, you know, checking your stats, interviewing, all these things are good. Obviously, you don't want to put so many barriers to entry that nobody wants to kind of promote for you. But at the same time, I think there's an almost an industry wide standard now that you kind of have to improve yourself a little bit to be able to work with high converting offers and offers that are going to make you money and make you know the owner money. So the affiliate topic is one, is one of my favorites. It's, it's something that everybody's like, no, just get your own traffic. Da, da, da. But then, you know, you get one good affiliate and you can just kind of smash all that stuff out that you're like, it's, it's so tempting, you know, it's so in any space, you know, even merchant accounts, you know, getting, we get resellers, we get one good reseller. It can, you know, kind of make your whole year, same thing, you know? So it's just sometimes, um, trusting the right people can be, you know, tough, but talking about trust and talking about kind of, you know, happiness, productivity and all that. And I know that, you know, you've gone through this. I I think it's a wonderful journey. Personally, I think, you know, having gone through that and seeing you now and and your success now and working with Digistory and and helping, you know, entrepreneurs kind of get started in this space. I think that's a success story for me. Obviously, if you would have gone to the FTC and had that issue, maybe it would have been a bit longer of a road, but (laughs) at the end of the day, you kind of did things that you had to do to get where you are now. And, you know, you're doing things properly now. What are some things, you know, like as, you know, entrepreneurs who are in this space, it's highly competitive. It's, it's, up and down. It's a lot of, you know, navigating all these different regulations and and compliance and stuff. You know, what helps these entrepreneurs with productivity, happiness, and kind of keeping a a good mindset in your opinion?
1: That's a really big topic. But I think the very first one is be willing to ask for help. There's a lot of groups out there. There's like a direct response marketers group on Facebook, and there's tons of different websites that you can get memberships to, but surround yourself with people who are like-minded And who are not satisfied with the status quo, that would be number one. If you're an entrepreneur and you want to grow a business online and you really are all in on this thing, go all in, get a membership somewhere, get, get yourself surrounded by people who can speak to a different level than you're at. And that takes a little bit of humility to do that and to ask for help on things, get mentored pay somebody. A t- like I have a friend of mine who's a real estate investor and he just got started this last year. They just made a killing, but they pay like 20 grand a month for a mentor to help them because they know the guy's doing like 20 million a month in sales with his real estate stuff. So they're like, that's where we want to be. We are investing into that. So to help you not feel like you're going crazy, because most affiliates will start talking or you know, people building up a business online, they start talking to their family and friends about what they're doing. And then they just get like literally crapped upon <laughs> as they're talking about this stuff and laughed at and, oh, that'll never work. And that's this. And you know what? If you believe that it'll never work, it won't work. But just like flat out, if you believe that and you surround yourself with that type of input, like it literally is garbage in, garbage out. So if you get like golden nuggets and people encouraging you, like listening to Maria's podcasts, it's, it's huge, right? You start surrounding yourself with people who've done it before, who've been there before, who've made mistakes and gone before you. Like put that stuff in front of you, like control what's coming into your head because that's where your battle is. It's all in your mind, a lot of this stuff. And I know that sounds like super woo-woo, like wacko stuff, but I promise you all of what you're battling as an entrepreneur, it starts with the way that you think. So if the way that you think is, I'm never gonna do this, this is gonna take me 10 years, blah, blah, blah. Flip that around in to the mindset of like, even if this does take me 10 years, this is gonna be worth it. I don't want to be 65 years old as a greeter at Walmart just to get health insurance. I want to be here. This is Sorry. where I'm going. And I, <laughs> I mean, but it's true, I, it's right? Sad. It's, it's sad. sad. I know it's just it's, it's but it, it's it,
0: it is the reality. It's, it's a reality.
1: It is a reality. So I guess like a little bit off my soapbox. Like just <laughs> surround yourself with people who will speak life into you and who've gone before you. They're not just talking about theory and all this stuff, but they actually can practically do it and tangibly give you examples of how to do this stuff. and then never stop listening to them. Like I, when I first got started in sales, I would listen to tapes like as I slept from people who are amazing presenters and people with amazing mindsets, like you just have to saturate yourself with that and then you have this overcomer mindset of like no matter what hits me, it's just going to make me stronger. I'm only going to succeed. Like failure is no option. It's only success. So I, I hope that answers your question.
0: It does. And, you know, just to kind of add on to that is that in these groups that you're talking about, you know, whether it be direct response marketers, I'm part of copy accelerator, you know, there's just, there's a ton of them. It just depends on where you're at, you know, what level you're at or what you're willing to spend and so forth. Everybody's so kind of nice with providing advice, you know, and you have some juniors, you have some seniors, you have all kinds of different levels of people. And I've never been told Maria, you stink. that that's a stupid question. So, you know, sometimes we're also as an entrepreneur myself, you know, and I've been doing this for 11 years on my own and, when you start, it's kind of like, everybody's going to think I'm stupid. This is a stupid question. At the same time, being on a, in a group in Facebook kind of provides you a little bit of a veil where, you know, if you do say something that may not sound right or whatever, like who cares, right? Like, I mean, it doesn't really matter. You can go on with your life. It doesn't, nobody's going to think twice about it. And I'm the same way. Sometimes when I'm asking a question and, you know, direct response marketers or, or copy accelerator, it's, it's a stupid question about something email that somebody's probably like, that's so easy, but I don't know it so I need to know this in order to advance my business. So to tag on to your awesome advice is, you know, don't be afraid to ask. It's fine, you know, like everybody starts somewhere. It doesn't matter where you're at. You just have to want to get to the next level and if for myself, you know, I, I do find that family-wise and just people around me, I, I'm not around too many entrepreneurs. So if I'm not part of these groups, I'm hearing like, oh, you're stiffing people for money. You know, how can you do that? Like selling online is not ethical because people don't understand. It's just, they, they, it's it's just not a reality for them. So they feel like, oh, well, if you're making this much money, you must be screwing somebody. But no, no, <laughs> I'm selling something that people want. You know, why would that be, <laughs> you know, screwing somebody, but, you know, being in, in a kind of smaller community Community maybe without the entrepreneurs, like if you're in New York city or, or in LA or is a big city where you can kind of network with a lot of people in different places, that's one thing. But if you're not, and you're in a smaller town or you, you don't have these people around you, being a part of these groups or having like a small group of people you can bounce ideas off of is just going to mentally get you to a good place And I find at least for myself, like when I'm down or just as an entrepreneur, I'm sure you feel the same way. Some days you just feel like you suck. You know what I mean? Like, you're just like, this sucks. Everything sucks. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I feel like, you know, whatever you, you get days like that being around people or or having a little bit of a support system really helps kind of get out of that lull uh, when you don't have colleagues or a million colleagues or a million people around you, you know? living through what you live through, you know, going through a bankruptcy, uh, is tough and being alone kind of to go through that is, is even harder, but I'm glad that, you know, you, you came on the show and you shared your experience and that, you know, people are not going to be afraid to take a chance. And the worst, the worst that can happen is let's say you lose money or you declare bankruptcy. There's always ways to, to reinvent yourself. It's not just because something bad happens, you can't continue, you know? So I'm super excited that you you came on and you gave the the raw side of things not just you know we're always hearing about that guy that sold the business for 25 million but we don't know how he got there we don't know what bankruptcies and legal stuff that he went through so it's so important for us to hear stories like this and to hear you know somebody kind of getting through the other side and 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 being okay and you know having a family success and 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 all of that so thank you so much David I really appreciate having you on the show. Um, And do you have any last words or anything that you want to share with our our audience?
1: You know, like I I tell all the students on Digistore Academy, just don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to, to take a risk and create something different and beautiful. And, you know, the world right now needs entrepreneurs. We need people to rise up and be better than what the status quo is and and that's probably you listening to this you're investing in yourself and that's hugely important so just don't be afraid to get after it and try it ask for help and enjoy it yes the world might be against you in a lot of ways with this stuff but there's so much joy when you do figure it out it's worth it you know if you are a beginner in any way and you want to check out uh the digistore academy it's a it's a trial it is a dollar trial, but you can try it for 14 days for a buck and literally cancel and then it anytime cancel you can, and yes, not get and, rebuilt. <laughs> and not get rebuilt or taken to collections on a fault on a rebuild that didn't get through because that does happen. But you can find that at digistoreacademy.com if you want to go check that out. That's digistoreacademy.com. And again, yeah, Maria, I, I appreciate you and having me on this and trusting me to be on your podcast. And then you have some amazing superstars on your other podcasts and <laughs> you found somebody who's gone through it and crashed and burned really hard and just come out the other side. So yeah, thanks for doing that.
0: Well, thank you, David. And thank you for all your uh, sharing all your experiences. And for anybody, if you guys want to get in touch with David, you can go to my website, mariasparagas.com. That's mariasparagas.com, my name, or directpaynet.com as usual. And we can definitely get you through to David if there's anything that you want to ask him. And thanks again, David, for your time and for sharing your story with us. Have yourself a great day. Thanks. Hope you found today's session valuable. If you have any questions for me or just want to connect, please feel free to visit my website, mariasparagis.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-S-P-A-R-A-G-I-S.com. I'd love to hear what you're working on, so drop me a line on any hot-button issues your business is experiencing. And remember, don't worry about failure. You only have to be right once.